Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host, and I'm going to get right into it this week. A question that I often am asked is, just what is my writing process? And so I thought this week I would share it with you. And if uh, you're writing a movie or a pilot or maybe even a novel, uh, this would apply to you too. And for me, I'm going to talk about writing stage plays since that's pretty much what I've been doing the last couple of years. But like I said, uh, the principles and the methods that I use can easily be adapted to screenplays or TV pilots. So it's all apropos. Okay, so first of all, I got to come up with an idea. I keep my eyes and ears open for an idea that I think might be worthy of a play. You know, and I recognize that these don't come along very often. Try not to beat yourself up if you can't come up with a great idea. I will only write maybe at the most two, usually one full-length plays a year because really good ideas are not that easy to find. So I keep my eyes and ears open because you never know what's going to trigger it. You know, you see two people talking in a diner and all of a sudden you come up with an idea or you read an article or you happen to come across some scene as you're walking down the street and you think, hey, that might be interesting and maybe there's something I could do with that. You really have to keep your radar going. So when I come up with an idea, I then have to be very, very tough on it. Okay, is this something that would hold and entertain an audience for an entire evening? Uh, does it have a theme or something that will resonate with audiences? Is it a subject and is it a world that I know well enough that I could write with confidence? I mean, I'll watch television shows and I'll go, God, this is just so fascinating. I love this world, but I could never write this in a million years because I have no idea how to write these hillbillies in Kentucky or whatever. So for me, the idea has to be something that I feel I have somewhat of a command over. Since I like to write comedies, is there room for fun? In this world, uh, do I love the characters? 
that's very important for me. I mean, I have to love the characters, and they don't all have to be lovable. I mean, some can be total assholes, but still they have to be interesting, and I have to really want to sit down and write dialogue for all of these people. Is there a clear beginning, middle, and an end? I know that sounds like such an obvious question, but you would be surprised how many people don't ask it. What about the ending? Okay, what can I do with this play that I haven't done with others? Uh, I don't want to just keep writing the same play over and over again. Is this a world that I want to spend the next six months in? And finally... This is the question that I ask myself about anything that I write for any arena, screenplays, TV, whatever. And that question is this, will the audience care? Even more than wanting them to laugh uproariously or be dazzled by the ingenious production values, I want them to care about the characters. And my feeling is that if I don't have that then I don't have a play yet, okay? Because no amount of brilliant joke writing or razzle-dazzle is going to make the play work if the audience doesn't give a shit about the people on the stage. Okay, once I come up with the idea, which sometimes will take weeks of just ruminating, "Uh, is this good? Do I like this? Does it still need something? Is there something better? And sometimes... You'll just get it instantly. You'll see something and you'll go, wow, okay, that's it. When I wrote the play A or B, which is kind of a sliding door type of theme where I have a a couple and in the first scene, she's applying for a job and she doesn't get it and they become lovers. And then I do a parallel scene where she applies for the job, does get the job, and they become co-workers. And then it is a question of what their relationship is like as lovers and co-workers and how they sort of overlap and get messy, etc., etc. And that idea came about. I was sitting in a breakfast place, and there was a nice-looking guy sitting at the table next to me, and at the other end of the restaurant, a young woman entered and looked around and saw him, and he kind of acknowledged, raised his hand, kind of acknowledged, and she crossed through the restaurant, and as she was crossing, I thought to myself, you know, they could either be lovers or coworkers, depending upon the reaction, and The way she sat down and the way they greeted each other was very clear that they were not romantically involved. But at that moment, the whole play came to me. Like, ooh, what if they're lovers? What if they're coworkers? What would be similar? What would be different? And I had that play just like that. Other times, it takes weeks and sometimes months Don't beat yourself up. Now I am at the point where I begin what I like to call my free association phase. And what this is, I just start coming up with random ideas, 
possible scenes, possible story beats, possible jokes, unusual ways of telling the story, maybe certain wardrobe things that might help define a character. Do they talk to the audience? Do I do spotlights? Do I do flashbacks? How do I want to tell this story? And I just kind of keep a file. And whenever I come up with one of these random ideas, I just go to the computer and I type another entry in this file. And this file just grows and grows and grows. At this point, I really just write down anything. And ultimately, most of it is going to be discarded. But at this point, it makes no difference. I'll come up with an idea, and if I can get it down on paper, then I'll have to think about it again. Okay, then I have to keep it in my head for two days. And it's like, well, what was that thing? I had that idea where they were like in the garage and uh, I don't have to worry about that. Okay, and here I really give myself permission to explore all ideas, no matter how crazy. Now, these stray thoughts don't have to connect, at least not yet. I'll just jot down uh, objectives or I'll note possible character traits, or I'll pose a lot of questions. So I'm not even answering questions, I'm asking them, okay, what does he want? Why did they get divorced? Why should we root for them? Uh, What about these two people attracted them to each other? How will I lay out the exposition in an entertaining, fresh way? Uh, What actor might be good as a prototype. When I write scripts, I always try to have an actor in mind, even though I know I'm not necessarily going to get them, but at least it's somebody I hear in my head. And let me amend that a little bit. It doesn't necessarily have to be an actor. Yeah, sometimes I'll go, okay, uh, I'm picturing Matt Damon as this guy. And other times I'll picture my friend from college, Barry, (laughs) Okay. Again, it doesn't have to be a celebrity. It just has to be somebody who has a clear voice. And so it really helps me to find their voice if I have a clear prototype. What convinces her to give the relationship another try? During the course of the plot, uh, who knows what and when? And the point of this exercise is really to just let your mind riff. I'll think of a lot of ideas in the shower or when I wake up in the morning. At this point, I'll usually keep a pad by the bed. And when you wake up, you know, you're oftentimes just kind of in that relaxed mood. And so I'll just kind of lie in bed for 10 minutes and just kind of riff on some possible ideas. And if there's something good, I'll jot it down and then go to my computer and add it to the file. Now, I'm working on one now, working on a plane now, and I am at that phase, okay? I'm at the free association phase. And this is a play that could be set either in Los Angeles or Utah. And there are advantages and disadvantages to each. And yesterday, I was really leaning towards setting it in L.A. And today, I'm leaning towards Utah, Who knows ultimately which way I'm going to eventually land. Uh, But I'm also trying to decide, 
Is this a story that I could tell over two years? Or is it a story that I could tell over one weekend? And again, there are reasons for each choice. And now you might be thinking, okay, well, this is great. This is perfect for the person who never can make a decision. But you know what? That's not true because eventually the best path will become clear to you. But at this point, you really need to free your mind for as many different options and possibilities as you can, even if they conflict. Uh, What if they get married? What if he marries somebody else? What if she marries somebody else? What if she gets pregnant? What if she gets pregnant by this guy? What if she gets pregnant by that guy? What if they're lumberjacks? What if they live in a mansion? Or what if they live in a trailer? Or what if they're on vacation in Alabama? Or what if they're on a safari in Africa? The point is, allow yourself the time and the freedom to go in as many different directions as you can. Okay, you'll come up with something. You'll say, okay, well, let's see. What if they, what if they do go to on a safari to Africa? And you go, well, okay, then this could happen and this could happen and this and this and this. Like, okay, that might be interesting. What about instead if they go to Hawaii? Well, if they go to Hawaii, then it's, uh, it's a nicer locale. You don't have the stuff with the animals, but you might have this and you might have that. And you just kind of go off in these different directions. And eventually, one will sort of emerge as the front runner. And then there'll be a lot of these other paths that you go down that come to a dead end. And isn't it better to discover that now, at this point in the process, as opposed to when you've started writing and you're now 35 pages in and you've been writing for four weeks and now you realize you're dead, this doesn't work, and you got to throw it out. So use this free association time to come up with as many alternatives. And when you come up with an alternative, go down that path for a while, okay? Take 10 minutes and see where it leads. Sometimes, no, not just sometimes, many times you will find that you come up with ideas and characters and story turns that you never originally thought of. And you're going, wow, (laughs) why did I come up with that? Allow yourself that freedom. Okay, so one path will rise above the others. And that will leave you with another problem. Because there's probably good stuff in the options that you didn't choose. Okay, is it worth trying to fit that stuff into the chosen direction? Well, usually the answer is no, don't do it. Unless it fits easily and organically, just leave it behind. Okay, once you start trying to shoehorn stuff in, you're going to end up with a mess. Your new way will probably have a more solid storyline 
And whatever reasons led you to that particular option above all others, well, that's more important than a hilarious bit or a brilliant speech. So, yeah, you might have this bit that you thought was so funny. Well, save it. Maybe you can use it for something else down the line, not necessarily your play or screenplay. So now I go through the free association document, which can be five pages or 10 pages or 12 pages. And I just start eliminating the things that no longer apply. And then I begin to shape an outline. So for plays, my outlines tend to be more like extended beat sheets. In this scene, A happens and then B and C and D. And then in the next scene, E, F, and G will happen. I like my outlines to be a little more open for stage plays so that my characters have some room to breathe. Now, for screenplays and pilots, when I am really confined by the number of pages that I can write, well, in those cases, I write very extensive outlines, scene by scene, even with suggested jokes and dialogue. So finally, I put together the beat sheet, and I am ready to start writing. And usually by this time, I am chomping at the bit to get going already. Now the question is, how fast do you write? Well, obviously that depends on the writer, the density of the subject matter, and what else is going on in the writer's life. I mean, if you have a full-time job, you can only write for a couple of hours at night or maybe you can only write on the weekends or you've carved out uh, a month and a half and you're going to sit down and write for eight hours every day. It really depends on your situation, obviously. But I remember a line that William Goldman had and to me, this is something worth noting. He said, and of course, William Goldman is God, so whatever he said is true. Try to write as fast as you can while doing your best work. Okay, now that's not to say just rush through it and write as fast as you possibly can. It's to say, don't dawdle. Everyone has their own pace. So my writing pace might mean, let's say, eight pages a day. Yours might be four pages a day. But what he's saying is, if your pace is eight pages a day, strive for eight pages a day. Don't just write three. You kind of need that momentum. You know, you kind of need to just keep going. Because if you're writing a screenplay or a stage play or a novel or an hour television pilot, there's a lot of pages, okay? That's a very large undertaking and you got to take it page by page, but it really helps if you have some momentum. Sometimes characters will lead you in a direction that you were not expecting. And when that happens, go with it even if it means straying from the outline. And another advantage of writing at a decent clip is that you're more willing to just take a shot at something. Okay, you come up with an idea and you write a three-page scene. Let's see where this argument goes. Let's see if we take it in this direction 
if it will lead to some gold or not. And you write your three pages, and sometimes it's great, and sometimes, again, you go, wow, where did I come up with that? And other times you'll go, ugh, ugh, this is shit, and you'll throw it out. Well, it's a lot easier to throw out a three-page scene if it only took you a day to write that scene. But if it took you four days to write three pages, you are going to be less willing to part with it. So I think that's another reason why you need to write at, let's just say, a lively pace. I read over what I've written, and I will go back and make some small corrections here and there. But I try to keep moving forward when I'm working on a first draft, because you can find yourself in a trap where you're forever rewriting the first 10 pages over and over and over again. So what I try to do is just plow ahead and I will keep a separate file of things to remind myself to do in the next draft. So let's say I'm writing a scene and then I realize, oh man, I I really should set this up earlier. Instead of going back and setting it up right then, I'll just note it in that particular file. And I know when I go back for the next draft, that's one of the things that I have to address. Another file that I keep is discarded material. Like I said, I write a three-page scene, and then I decide, nah, don't need it, don't want it. So I take it out, but I put it in the discard file. And you never know because you're going back for a second draft or later that day you have second thoughts and you figure out a way of making that three-page scene work. It's there. It's available for you. And from time to time, I will do that, especially when there are scenes where characters are giving long speeches. And it's so easy with final draft to just kind of again, free associate, where you're just writing this long, long draft of a speech, and then you just go by and just just cut half of it or move one section up and just move one section down. All of the discard stuff I keep because you never know, and it's very helpful to have. A note about the first 15 pages. Generally, your first draft will be too long. But that's okay. You can always go back and make cuts. Invariably, you will find that most of those cuts will come from the first 15 pages. We tend to overwrite them, but it's kind of understandable. We're learning the characters, voices. We're trying to define them. And by the time we get to the end, well, we have a pretty good command of who that character is. And we realize that a lot of the things that you have the characters say about themselves and each other, you eventually show, and it's not necessary. This is especially true in screenplays. First drafts tend to be rough. That's okay. You just keep doing drafts. It's often easier to fix something if you have something already. It was a great story, this stage director, George Abbott, who directed uh, literally was 100 years old. And some director of a musical 
said, I'm, I'm, I'm in big trouble with a big scene. Could you come one afternoon and take a look at it and give your suggestions? And he said, sure. And he showed up and said, okay, show it to me. And the director said, no, we, we, we don't have it yet. What do you think we should do? And George Abbott said, just do anything. Once you have something, then you have something to fix. So just get them up there and have them do anything so that we can begin work. Same is true with screenplays. When I'm finally happy with the draft, I read it out loud. I listen for the flow. I look for tongue twisters, repetitious words, etc. And then I give the script to three fellow writers whose opinions I really trust and I get their notes and go back to work. In one case, I had a play and I gave it to one of these readers who is a terrific writer. She's won all kinds of awards and Emmys, etc. And she called me up and she said, this is a wonderful idea and you have terrific characters. I said, great. And then she said, you have no second act. First act is fine, but the second act just goes nowhere. I threw out the second act and wrote a completely different second act, and that play got produced several times. It never would have had I gone with the original second act. So I do the notes, and you think I'd be done. Nope, there's more. Because even when I finish a draft... I try to gather some actors and some people together in a room and have a reading. I cannot stress how helpful this is. Based on that reading, I do another pass, and then I've got my first draft, and I'm finally ready to show the world. But you don't need necessarily trained actors, and you don't have to rent a theater to do this. You get some of your friends together and you go to somebody's house and you get some people to just sit around in their living room and have a reading of the play or the screenplay. It is so unbelievably helpful. Okay, so that is my process with the understanding that there are probably 300 other writers who have podcasts, and they each have their own process, which is different from mine, and each other's. The only thing is, my process is right, at least for me. So ends another podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Our thanks to Adam and Susie Meister, Butler, Bruce and Jason Miller, Howard Hoffman, and John Wolfert. You can write me at HollywoodLevine at Outlook.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Ken Levine, Instagram, Hollywood, and Levine. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you again next week. Bye-bye. Hollywood and-